0: For those of you that remain in the auditorium or are watching online, please take your Bibles if you would. Once again, to the book of Leviticus, the book of Leviticus and chapter 23, Leviticus 23. And this morning, we are going to be looking, Lord willing, at verses 26 through 32. Thank you so much for being here, for fighting your way through the PEI marathon. That most of you didn't realize was happening today and uh, for using one of the many alternate routes uh, to the church building here this morning. For those of you that are new, thank you so much for uh, being here and worshiping together uh, with us. Everything we do at Grace Baptist Church comes from the Word of God. It is founded on, rooted in, and guided by God's Word, and so we want you to have a copy of God's Word open in front of you so that you can see that what I am saying does not come from my opinions or my pet peeves or hobby horses, but indeed comes from the Word of God. If you don't have a Bible, there's one provided for you somewhere underneath the chairs in front of you. There should be a Bible. And in that particular Bible, it's on page 95. Page 95, Leviticus 23, verses 26 through 32. So follow along with me, if you would, as I read in your hearing these verses this morning. Leviticus 23, starting to read of verse 26. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Now on the tenth day of this seven month is the day of atonement. It shall be for you a time of holy convocation, and you shall afflict yourselves and present a of food offering to the Lord. You shall not do any work on that very day, for it is a day of atonement to make atonement for you before the Lord your God. For whoever is not afflicted on that very day shall be cut off from his people. And whoever does any work on that very day, that person I will destroy from among his people. You shall not do any work. It is a statute forever throughout your generations in all your dwelling places. It shall be to you a Sabbath of solemn rest, and you shall afflict yourselves on the ninth day of the month beginning at evening. From evening to evening shall you keep your Sabbath. This is the word of God. As mentioned last Sunday, we are in the final feasts. Appear in the seventh month of the Jewish calendar, seven, the month of or the, the number of perfection. There are three feasts. The month begins with the feast of trumpets, a day of solemn rest, in which the trumpets are sounded, trumpets of preparation. Not necessarily memorial, or memorial in the sense that we typically think of it, memorial of remembering what has been done in the past, but more so a readiness to receive from the Lord what he is going to do, remembering what he has done in the past and the promises that he has made, and based on that, expecting him to continue to keep his covenant faithfulness on into the future. And as the nation of Israel prepares then for this month, there are two main festivals. The one is, the one we're under consideration this morning, the Day of Atonement. An entire chapter of Leviticus, chapter 16, has been devoted to this. And in our previous look at the Day of Atonement, it was more so from the perspective of the priests. And so we've done a lot of work here already, but we want to see what this meant for the people of Israel, certainly. And then it moves as we get into the end of the month, into the Feast of Tabernacles which is a week-long celebration. After all the harvests are in, wheat and barley and all the grain harvests, as well as the grapes and the olives, all the harvests are in. Everything is set for the winter months, and so the nation of Israel celebrates together. But before celebration, there is solemn remembrance, and that is what the Day of Atonement has to do with. And in particular, we want to look this morning at this concept of cleansing. Now, I don't know how many of you uh, were very much looking forward to your first hot shower after Fiona hit. And I say hot because some of you were relegated to cold showers before the power came on. But maybe you felt a little bit bedraggled, a little bit disheveled. Things weren't as they were supposed to be and not as they normally are. Day one and two turned into day four, five, six, and then you lost count and forgot what day of the week it was and all of these things. But when that hot water hits you for the first time after a number of days of not having it, and you just felt cleansed. Of course, these are first world problems, to be sure. But I don't know how you have felt when you've felt particularly dirty. I was trying to figure out a time where I was the most filthy And I even talked to my mother last night, and uh, apparently I was a fairly clean child. But I do remember when I was working construction, even doing some work on my own home, drywall dust was probably the dirtiest that I've ever been. And of course, early on in my drywalling career, which uh, sort of flamed into existence fairly uh, rapidly and then flamed out just as rapidly. My philosophy was, let's put all the mud on first, and then we'll just sand it down to where we want it, which anybody who has done drywall knows that's not how you're supposed to do it. And so on week three downstairs in our home in Ontario, still sanding the same wall, um, I learned very quickly that's not how you're supposed to do drywall mud, but uh, just head to toe covered in fine white dust. It seems to get in every crack and crevice. It's up your nostrils. It's everywhere. And uh, it gets everywhere in the house and gets everywhere on your body. And to be finally clean and rid of all that is a great feeling. And so, wherever you've been the most dirty, the most muddy, the most gross, to be finally clean is a great feeling. And that's in a physical sense. But I don't know if you're here this morning and you're feeling perhaps spiritually, emotionally dirty. Maybe you have some regrets Maybe you have some particular sins that only you are aware of, or you and a very few other people. and That stain still feels like it is on your soul. And no matter how much you try to block it out with any number of coping mechanisms, no matter how you've tried in the past and are still trying this morning to get rid of that sense of guilt and shame, nothing to date has fully worked. You don't feel clean. You're aware perfection is the standard, and while publicly you may portray that, you are only too painfully aware, especially in private of how you do not match up to that standard. And so we have good news for you this morning. There is cleansing, not just of a physical nature, but there is a full cleansing of a spiritual nature by the only one who can rightly judge whether or not you are clean. You will not stand before your neighbors one day you will not even stand before yourself one day but you will stand before the judge of all the earth and only he can pronounce you clean and this day is dedicated to that reality to be cleansed fully cleansed from all of our sin and the residual guilt and shame that comes and so notice if you would then in the first place There are some things that the nation of Israel is to do on their end. We've already looked at chapter 16 and the things that the priests were doing on theirs, and we'll see that in point two. But there are two things of note in this passage, two things that stand out that are different from what we have seen in chapter 16, and that is this reality of this being a solemn rest and secondarily this word affliction, which we'll get to in just a moment. And so there are are things that the nation of Israel is to do. Now be very, very careful before we enter into this. These things that the nation of Israel are to do do not bring cleansing to them. If we know anything from the truth of the good news of the gospel, it is that we cannot save ourselves, we cannot cleanse ourselves. And if we are sitting here this morning and we are honest, we know this to be true. Try as we might, that stain of sin on our souls, unless we have experienced salvation through Jesus Christ, will not be erased despite our best efforts. We have a problem. It is our own sinfulness, and we are not our biggest problem's solution. We cannot cleanse ourselves. So, do not see these things in this passage as the nation of Israel working to please God or doing something so that God will accept them and cleanse them. This is not a uh, relationship that sort of the nation of Israel does their part, God then does his part in response and sort of together we're going to cleanse ourselves. No. This is fully from God. But these things are representative of They are in anticipation of what is happening in the tabernacle and later on the temple. So there are two things the nation of Israel will do. In the first place, they are to have a day of solemn rest. This is a day in which no work is to be done. It's mentioned at least four times in this passage. This is a special Sabbath. Sabbaths occurred every Saturday in the weekly cycle, the weekly routine of the nation of Israel. But here there is a special Sabbath. And this is one of the first times that we get a sense of the Jewish day because in verse 32, it starts on the evening of the ninth day at sundown, which is how Jews reckon time, and goes until sundown of Saturday, which is the same as a normal Sabbath. But here it is specified, on this day, leading into the tenth day of the month, a day of solemn rest. A day of rest undistracted by... Things that we find to occupy our time even when we are supposed to be at rest. We have many built-in distractions. And it seems like more and more we're focusing on the distractions instead of the things that we ought to be focusing on. We spend very little time in our culture currently just in solemn rest, in contemplation in quiet thanksgiving to God, in introspection. We don't spend a lot of time in our own thoughts. Now, of course, we can spend too much time there as well, but there is something to be said for taking a break from the norm, from cutting off all distractions and refocusing on God. And that is what the nation of Israel was to do. To the extent that anybody who was found doing work on this most solemn day of rest would be cut off from the people of Israel. God knows us intimately. He created us. And so he knows that we need reminders. We need rest. We need to be refocused. And far too often we are distracted by so many different things either of our own making or not, but we allow these distractions in and all of a sudden it seems like after far too long we kind of wake up to the reality of where am I and who am I and what am I actually doing? God has built into the weekly routine of the nation of Israel a day of solemn rest and he's built into the annual routine of Israel numerous days of solemn rest and this is one of them. Because the nation of Israel realizes that on this day, this is the only day Out of the whole year, the high priest goes beyond the curtain into the holy of holies. There's something significant going on this day. So this day needs to be free of distraction. This day needs to be free of the regular routine. This day needs to be dedicated to worship to God, undistracted worship to God. Secondarily, this idea of personal cleansing, if I can put it that way, is this idea of fasting. Fasting. Fasting comes from that word affliction. Three times in the passage it says the nation of Israel is to afflict themselves. and In fact, it says if anyone does not afflict themselves, they will also be cut off from the people of Israel. Affliction here, I believe, means fasting. Not only to take a break from the daily routine of work and the normal things that we do, but also to take a break from eating as we normally would. But not just to take a break from eating as we normally would, but to use that time in particular to refocus on God. To say to God, you are more important than anything else in my life. Even food. Now for some of us, food and other things, that, that's, that's a hard thing to give up. We like what we like. And yet God is calling on his people to find their greatest joy in Him. And there is weekly reminders of this and annual reminders of this. As I've said numerous times, God will oftentimes bring us to places where He is all we have to remind us that He is all we ever need. God will frequently bring us to places in our lives through trial and struggle, through times of memorial and preparation, through times like we're doing right now, to remind us, to places where he is all that we have, to remind us that he is all that we ever need. Do we treasure him above all else? Do we treasure him even above our daily sustenance? And the nation of Israel was to prepare themselves for what was taking place at the tabernacle and eventually the temple. And so this day was a solemn day. There is no celebration in this day. Celebration is coming, but there's no celebration this day. Because the degree of euphoria that we feel from being cleansed is to the same degree of how dirty we were in the first place. I don't know that our normal shower routine is a time of blessing to the extent that that first shower after the power came on was. To the degree that we long for that, to the degree that we feel dirty, to that same degree we feel even better when we are finally clean and so we don't jump right into celebration. There is a time of solemn reflection and understanding of the sinfulness that necessitates atonement. Understanding of our rebellion that necessitates God's cleansing and to the degree that we do not believe ourselves in need of cleansing to that degree we will not praise God for the cleansing he offers. To the degree that we believe ourselves to have cleansed any part of us, to that same degree we take away from the full grace of God that provides cleansing for us. We need to be reminded of who we were if we are gods, or who we still are if we have not yet repented and trusted in him as our only Lord and Savior. We need those reminders. Because if you ask us on any given day, we'll let you know how awesome we are. We're quite convinced of how amazing we are, generally speaking. And all you need to do, again, is look at anybody's social media feed or in conversation. Rarely do we post our failures. Rarely do we post our massive mistakes. I got a great story to tell you about how I am an idiot. Come gather around. Almost exclusively... We present ourselves in the best possible light that we can muster. And we need God's truth to remind us we are not who we perceive ourselves and who we present ourselves to be. But we are, in fact, who God knows us to be. And that is far worse than we oftentimes admit that we are. The second place, then, we see spiritual cleansing. There is implications here in this passage, and there's also uh, a tie back to chapter 16. So notice, if you would, this idea of atonement, especially in verses 27 and 28. It is called the day of atonement. And in verse 28, the day of atonement to make atonement for you before the Lord your God. Modern day, today it's known as Yom Kippur, the day of atonement. This is the day when the high priest, the only day, in an entire year with a high priest would enter into the Holy of Holies with blood for himself and then for the people. And we've already walked through chapter 16, but the reality here is the sins of the people, sins that may have been unnoticed, even by the person who committed them, and just the general pollution of sin in the nation. God's holiness resides in the middle of his people. His Shekinah glory hovers over the tabernacle, the tent of meeting. And it is present above the cherubim, above the Ark of the Covenant. And in that sacred space, no one was allowed to enter. No one could go in there except the high priest once a year and only with blood for himself and for the people. To provide atonement, to provide a sacrifice, restitution for all the sins of the people and what an amazing thing to know that despite their sin which warranted death there was a sacrifice that could be made on their behalf and so the one goat was offered his life taken so that the nation of israel could continue to live sacrifice was made And, of course, this draws our mind naturally and immediately to Jesus Christ the righteous, who sacrificed himself on the cross. He himself then went into the Holy of Holies. And we know that through him we have access, because when he cried from the cross, it is finished. The veil, that curtain, was rent in two, and access was granted to the presence of God through Jesus Christ the righteous. His atonement was final. These atonements were temporary. And they were looking ahead to the full and final atonement of Jesus Christ. But our sin brings death, the judgment of God. And unless someone else or something else in this case died on our behalf, we could not live in the presence of God. We could not be in his presence. We could not be in relationship with him. And so atonement needed to be made. And then there was a full cleansing as well. We notice in Leviticus 16, 20-22, the scapegoat, the second goat that was identified and brought, the sins of the people symbolically were laid on the head of that goat by the high priest and then it was sent off into the wilderness. What a reality for the nation of Israel to know that for another year their sins have been atoned for, although atonements needed to be made throughout the year, sin offerings and guilt offerings as we have seen But the sins of the nation had been atoned for and they were fully cleansed in the sight of God. All of their sin taken away out into the wilderness. Jesus Christ, of course, who died outside of the city on our behalf and bore the penalty for our sins in his own body on that tree. He bore our sin and our guilt and our shame so that we could be fully cleansed of all of our sin. What an amazing reality! What an amazing hope, what an amazing message. So this day is a somber day. It is not a day of feasting and celebration. It is a day of remembrance. It is a day of reflection. It is a day of understanding that our sin keeps us from a thrice holy God. And apart from His work on our behalf, we cannot be in His presence. And His presence cannot be with us. Which leads us to the third point this morning, is there a need for cleansing? Perhaps you are here this morning and you are questioning all of this. Is this really necessary? Am I really that bad? I'm certainly not as bad as fill in the blank, the individual that we compare ourselves with, and for whatever reason, murder seems to be the benchmark. Well, at least I haven't killed anybody. Great, that's uh, neither have most of the human population. That's a fairly low benchmark. That seems to be our benchmark for morality. I may not be perfect, but am I really that bad? Well, in Romans 3, verses 9 through 20, Paul lays out his case. First of all, certainly the Gentiles, but in particular in this passage to the Jews. Because there were individuals that didn't think that they needed to be cleansed. They kept the law, mostly, most of the time. And they were certainly better than the Gentiles. And we love to compare ourselves. We're still doing it. We are not nearly as enlightened as we think we are. We compare ourselves every day to others. And of course, we compare ourselves to those that we believe Are not as good as we are so we always compare favorably to the people that we choose to compare ourselves with and that comparison leaves us feeling better about ourselves and this certainly was the case with the jews and we'll say more about that in just a moment but paul lays out his case very well to say there is none righteous no not one no one can claim perfection and that is the standard The standard is pure, unadulterated holiness. And none of us is holy. We have all made mistakes. We have all rebelled against God. We have all tried to be God instead of letting Him be God. We have all sinned. We have all knowingly gone against His rule and reign. We have all knowingly transgressed His law. And so the need for cleansing is present and it is great. And if you're honest with yourself this morning, you know that that is the reality. Despite how pristine your social media appears to be, despite how good you think your reputation is, you know in your heart of hearts that perfection has not been attained. And I think you further know the perfection cannot be attained. None of us is holy. And so if we left things there, this would be a very sad and somber day indeed. Be warmed and filled. Go in peace. You're all rotten. Excellent. Thank you. Appreciate that. What is the blessing of the day of atonement? What is the amazing good news of the gospel? Well, it has to start with bad news, because if we don't recognize the bad news, we're not going to recognize the goodness of the good news. So we must take into consideration, we must be fully honest and open about our condition. But when we get there, the good news is there is cleansing available. There is sacrifice for sin available. There is atonement to be made. We can be given the perfection of God And he can have taken uh, the penalty for our sin on himself. This is true. This is the good news of the gospel. So notice in the fourth place then this morning, this reality of final cleansing. Notice in the first place, false cleansing. And we've already made allusion to this. Let me unpack this just a little bit further. In Matthew 23, Jesus says that the Pharisees look like whitewashed tombs. They look like a marble mausoleum, gorgeous on the outside, amazing architecture, amazing workmanship, beautiful structure, and yet inside it's full of dead, rotten, decaying human flesh. It's full of dead bones. Death is on the inside. And so the message of Christianity, the message of the Word of God, and the message of this church because of that is not clean yourself up on the outside. You can take showers all day, every day, and not be clean spiritually, and you can do all the good works that you can possibly think of. You can give all the money that you have. You can give all the time that you have. You can do penance. You can do any number of things. The reality is cleaning up the outside does nothing to clean the inside. And only Jesus Christ the righteous can clean us from the inside out. And that is what he says in Mark chapter 7 verses 14 through 23. It is not the things from the outside that go into the body that defile it, but it is the things that are inside the body already, that coming out generally from our mouths that show how defiled we are inside. And so please do not mishear any sermon from this pulpit or mishear any of the message of Scripture. Cleansing does not come from us. No amount of self-effort can result in holiness and righteousness before a thrice holy God. So attempting to clean yourself up so that God will accept you or attempting to stay clean so God will like you, is not good news. That is news that will only lead to despair, because you can't do it, and neither can I. So what is the good news? The good news is that there is true cleansing available through Jesus Christ the righteous. In John chapter 13, Jesus is with his disciples in this particular passage is famous because he washes the disciples feet but you'll note in verse 10 there's something that is there peter says to jesus after he says to jesus you're not going to wash my feet all right we like peter because peter says the things that we're thinking but might not say in the same circumstance peter just says it no 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 no, no, jesus you're not going to wash my feet i should be washing your feet that's not how this works and Jesus says, If I don't wash your feet, you have no part with me. And so then Peter says, Well, then wash my whole body. I'm all in. And Jesus says, You're already clean through the word that I've spoken to you. And he reiterates this in John 15. True cleansing comes through Jesus Christ and through Jesus Christ alone. Does not come through good works, does not come through human effort. It does not come from trying harder. It does not come from not sinning longer. True cleansing can only come from outside of us, but it has come from outside of us. Jesus Christ, the righteous, has come. He has paid the penalty for sin. He has lived a fully holy and righteous life on our behalf. And in that beautiful, great exchange, his holiness can be ours and uh, the penalty for our sinfulness can be his. The writer of the book of Hebrews alludes to this in Hebrews 10, 19 through 25, and it's part of the questions for further reflection on the back of that insert that we will walk through with our community groups, and you can walk through also on your own. The reality of this is not a physical cleansing. This is not a temporary cleansing. For any individuals that have children and grandchildren, they understand that you don't clean children once. There is repeated cleansings needed, oftentimes, multiple times in the same day. It's not that type of cleansing. It is a true, internal, standing before the only one who can properly judge us, cleansing. But notice in the third place that it is a full cleansing. Take your Bibles, if you would, to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. And I want to start reading a verse 9 for context. Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. Reality is... That you may be sitting here this morning, as I mentioned at the top, and believe in Jesus Christ the righteous, believe that he has paid for your sins on the cross, you believe all of that to be true, you believe that his righteousness is now applied to your account, you believe that your accounts is paid in full, you believe all of that, and yet as you sit here this morning, you're not experiencing it. Because you know your sinfulness, and in particular, that thing or things that not very many people know about, and certainly not things you talk about in polite company, or reveal to people that you care what they think about you. And yet here is the depth of this good news. The cleansing that Jesus Christ offers is a real and true cleansing. And it is a full cleansing. What does he say in the back half of verse 11? But you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. What happens when our feelings don't match truth? Keep speaking the truth to yourself until they do. Satan will come after you and your flesh will come after you. Real Christians don't do that. True followers of Jesus Christ wouldn't have acted that way. Someone who loves God wouldn't have said that. And our response is absolutely true. But thanks be to God for the grace that is offered me in Jesus Christ, that everywhere I fail, Jesus Christ succeeds. And it is not my righteousness that I stand in, but his. And it is not just a temporary cleansing or an outside cleansing or I look good to the people around me cleansing. It is a full cleansing from all of my sins, not just present but also past and future. When Jesus Christ died on the cross, he did not die for some future version of who you might turn out to be because all of your actions, thoughts, and attitudes were future when he died on the cross. He loves you and died for you knowing all the things you have done and all the things you well yet do. And his cleansing is there available for you for all of your sin and all the sins that have been done to you. And now take your Bibles, if you would, one last time, the book of Revelation, chapter 7. And once again, we'll start reading in verse 9 for context. And all the angels who were standing around the throne, around the elders and the four living creatures, and they fell on their faces before the throne to worship God, saying, Amen, blessing, and glory, and wisdom, and thanksgiving, and honor, and power, and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders addressed me, saying, Who are these clothed in white robes, and where have they come from? I said to him, Sir, you know, and he said to me, These are the ones... Coming out of the great tribulation, they have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. What is our future for those who are in Christ Jesus? That we are not just positionally holy and righteous, but we're actually removed from the presence of sin itself And we will one day be all that Jesus Christ died to make us. We will experience a a final cleansing. And that's what this day of atonement points to and that's what the sacrifice of Jesus Christ reveals. We are not yet who we will one day be. But because of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on our behalf, because of the presence of the Holy Spirit in us, We have every confidence to know that we will be there. We will make it to glorification. Romans 8, that golden chain of redemption. Those who he justified, he sanctified. Those who he sanctified, he glorified. Same past tense. It is as good as done. All of the guilt, all of the shame, all of the residual filthiness, all of those things that we're trying so desperately to forget The reality is through Jesus Christ we can in this life and there is coming a day for those that are in Christ Jesus where that will be our final and eternal state where we will be in white robes washed in the blood of the Lamb. Perfect as we were originally created to be and are being recreated in Jesus to be. And that is what his cleansing on the cross gained for us. And so this day This day of solemnity, the nation of Israel comes together and rests from all distraction and takes a good, hard look in the mirror, fasts, removing from themselves even that distraction of providing for their physical needs. Their entire focus can be on who they are and who God is. And in that day, the high priest goes into the Holy of Holies and offers sacrifice. And on that day, almost 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ the righteous, the great high priest, also himself entered beyond the veil, offered full sacrifice, perfect sacrifice in the cross himself so that the way to to God the Father can be fully opened to us and all of our sin and all of our guilt and all of our shame fully cleansed and offered to us The sure promise that one day we'll be fully as we were created and recreated to be. That is the blessing of the gospel. That is the good news. And it is made so much more beautiful by how ugly we know ourselves to be. What a beautiful reality that we are sinners, but we are also saints. That we understand who we are but we also are becoming to understand better every day who we are in Jesus Christ. And that is the blessing of this Day of Atonement. And so our response this morning, Grace Baptist, have you been fully cleansed by the precious blood of Jesus Christ? If you're here this morning and you've made excuses and you've painted yourself to be more holy than you know yourself to actually be, if you are here this morning pretending, my call to you is to drop the charade You know it's not real, and everybody else who knows you even mildly well knows it's not real. You are not perfect, and you can't get there on your own. You are a sinner, lost and undone before a thrice holy God. But here is the amazing good news. God himself has come to offer himself as your sacrifice for sins so that you can be fully cleansed from the inside out. And my call to you this morning is talk to myself or the person that you came with about this cleansing because it's real. And for those of us that are here this morning that have experienced this cleansing and could testify this morning to how God has cleansed us, do we believe it and do we live in light of it? Do we walk around either believing ourselves better than we are, which we shouldn't, knowing who we truly are because of God's word, Or do we walk around with our heads hung low as if we are not God-called saints, sons and daughters of the Most High? Do we know who we are? As Tim Keller, our brother, has said, we are neither worthy nor are we worthless, but we are loved by God. We are loved by the creator of the universe. And do we believe that this morning? Where we don't, keep telling yourself the truth of this day which points to the truth of the greatest day in history, simultaneously the darkest day in history, but also the greatest day in history when Jesus Christ the righteous died on the cross for our sins. Remind yourself of truth until your feelings catch up because we can be fully cleansed through Jesus Christ and one day will be uh, in glory. Let's look to God in prayer this morning. Father, thank you. Thank you this morning for your word. And this day in the Jewish calendar, this day of solemn rest, to remind the nation of Israel who they were, Father, we can get caught up in so many rituals and traditions, doing things that we believe either bring us into relationship with you or maintain relationship with you, and how quickly we forget how sinful we are. And yet, Father, that does not bring us to the corner cowering in fear because perfect love casts out fear. But if we know you, we have no fear of your judgment. Therefore, we have no fear in this life, including fear of death or fear in the life to come because we know you and are known by you. And for all of the sins that we have committed and have been committed against us, as dark, as horrific, as painful as they are, all of that, all of that wrath, that justified wrath against sin was poured out on Jesus Christ on the cross. During that three-hour span when darkness descended and Christ cries out from the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He bears the full weight of the wrath that you have towards sin, the justified, holy, settled disposition against evil. And all of that is absorbed in Jesus Christ so that we do not have to bear the weight of it. Father, this day, Yom Kippur, this day of atonement points to that day. And as we look back on that day, simultaneously, the darkest day in human history as well as the most glorious day in human history, We see our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, suffering for our sins on the cross so that we could be righteous, that we could be free. Father, I pray that you would free some hearts and souls this morning in your mercy and in your grace. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.